If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the high roller blackjack scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain, every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack, with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms, where I give you a heads up about upcoming shows and which date and time they will be aired. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the shows, MP3 files which you can download, or links to your favorite platform like iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and all other major sources. You can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at MarlenePardo.com. You can also purchase books and merchandise there, and you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my true believer stories that have collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStoryTime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghosts, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary and you can find links at nightshadediary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. I'm doing good. And even though you won't hear this for a little bit, you, you know, you've heard from my previous last week that we are right smack in the middle of um, this, I don't know what to call it anymore, COVID-19. Let's play it safe. So, you know, it, nobody will like be offended, even though, you know, I've, in my earlier shows, I've called it by what it is. But anyway. It doesn't really matter one way or the other. Really what we're talking about here is um, I, I'm okay. My family's okay. Uh, I hope you're all okay, depending on where you're at. Um, it's, it's a very, um, it's a first, I'll tell you that much. Like I tell everybody, I live, I've lived in, I, I grew up in, I was born in South Florida. I grew up in South Florida. So, and I've, and I've, had firsthand experience with natural disasters like talk about your house blowing off you know like like kansas like you know wizard of oz kind of it went somewhere i've lived through that and i've had that surreal moment where i've had the military in miami because after andrew in 92 the devastation was so huge 
And there was, you know, the infrastructure was so damaged, especially in the southern part of Miami-Dade County, that the military came in just to help because, and, and it was surreal. And at that time, it was surreal. But I'm, what I'm saying is, I've had that experience. Plus, I grew up with it as a kid, you know, a hurricane and, and everything. And now, but this is the first for me. This is the, this is the first where you actually see movies and uh, shows. And I guess lately that we've gotten the gazillion million zombie versions of, you know, which of course is uh, some type of sickness or disease and illness that turns people into zombies, whatever. But, you know, and of course everybody watches this because it's interesting, but always with that now, it's, it's oh, it's great entertainment. And luckily, of course, nothing is as severe or as way out as that. But I think a lot of people are really having this moment of pinch me, you know, what, you know, in a very, very short amount of time, we've gone from living life, you know, multitasking, like I say, depending on what's going on in your life. Hey, if you've got kids, if you've got a job, if you've got the gym, uh, yeah, and I'm, uh, I've got to go to, to do my groceries and pick up the prescription. You know, everybody's got their thing going on and I'm going to binge and we're having people over for a party and, and you know, Super Bowl, whatever. And all of a sudden it went, what? It's over. And I think a lot of people are so surprised at how easily and how quickly everybody's life just went left. And uh, besides the fear, of course, that, you know, nobody wants to die uh, of, of what could happen. Because n now is that we're actually getting better numbers of exactly how, how it's affecting the populations especially here in the United States, but at the very beginning when they were talking about it, that nobody knew what to expect, there was a lot of fear of the unknown. The unknown. Uh, so, yeah, I hope you guys are, uh, like I said, since I'm definitely spending a lot of time, you know, I've been doing a lot of farm work. Um, we've had a drought going on down here in South Florida, which means um, I have to be out there making sure my trees are watered. And like I said, and looking at the weather report every morning when I wake up and my chickens, and by the way, it's, I have a lot of people now that because of what's going on are knocking my door down, buying eggs to, to incubate because they want chickens or buying chicks. I mean, I, a couple of days ago, I sold a gentleman a hundred eggs, fertilized eggs. Most of, you know, most of them are fertilized. I know I have a very good hatch rate for my chickens. 100 eggs, he was going to incubate them. I guess he must have had one of these really large incubators. I mean, the last time I tried it, I had a 45 egg incubator. And that was, yeah, that was quite a task. But he bought 100 eggs. And he would have bought another 100 if I had them. I just didn't have them all at once. So a lot of people now are finding that either they had thought about doing it and they delayed it, or they're like, hey, none of this, I'm... I, I feel like I need to have chickens and eggs or whatever. I don't kill my chickens. Everybody knows I don't kill my chickens. I just use them for eggs, uh, you know, and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's people uh, are actually doing things that they thought about or have taken steps to alter their life even after this n life normalizes, if that you can call it that. 
again, like I, I said before, I think right what we're going through right now, people will always, everybody that's alive today, especially maybe not if you're a child so much, but if you're a little bit older, this everything will be before and after. This is like the a moment where everybody refers to it before this and then after this. And it's one of those uh, moments that that there's no getting away from it. And normal, it's it, it'll be, as much as I think a lot of things hopefully will be restored, I think there's a lot of things that never going to come back, unfortunately. Or fortunately, it depends. It depends on how I want to look at it. But anyway, let's get to the good part. And let me tell you about who my guest is today. Uh, this is a gentleman by the name of Ryan Gable. He's a veteran radio personality and producer for his show, The Secret Teachings. His broadcast focuses on the synchronicity and objective analysis of alternative news, health, history, the paranormal, symbolism, the occult, esoteric, alchemy, magic, with a K, philosophy, and more in the most distinct ways by finding parallel and patterns often overlooked. Spending much of his life on air and having written several books, Ryan has also been a guest on dozens of other radio shows and has had his broadcast aired on a variety of networks. From WPRK and CBS to Dark Matters Radio, LNM, and The Fringe FM. He's also a frequent guest on Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and The Kev Baker Show, which is a matter of fact, which is the first, that's where I heard Ryan, which he it was a great show. Um, he's, uh, Ryan and his secret teachings are not aligned with any specific ideology so that he may stay fluid with information as it is unveiled. So, Help me to welcome him to the show. How are you doing today, Ryan? Hey, I'm going good, Marlene. How are you? Great. Fantastic. So thrilled to have you on the show. And um, I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests, uh, because I know that your interests are very wide and varied, but was this something that you were interested in from as a kid, or did you have a, a triggering event that turned you in this direction to be interested in this field? I'd say it's probably a series of triggering events like any other life experience or turning point. I've thought about that question in the last year because of all the interviews I've done, I've only been asked that question a few times. And the first person who asked me that question a few months ago, the answer just kind of came to my, my mind suddenly because it was right there, I guess. I realized, well, you know, I guess the reason that I got interested, I became interested in any subject from health to the paranormal to the occult mm -hmm. is because I was interested in learning anything and everything out of high school. But I didn't really want to participate in high school except for history class because I liked history. So I kind of started there after high school as a hobby, just learning things like that. I would grab history books. And so I started collecting books. And that was one triggering event, I suppose. I started collecting books and reading little segments of things here or there. And then I decided to go to film school because I enjoyed uh, writing. So I go to film school. And uh, while I'm in film school, I'm making friends with a few people. And this girl I made friends with, I would talk to her about things relating to aliens and, and whatnot. So she introduced me to this guy she knew who was very interested in all that. And she said, it's the only other person that I know who talks about things like you do. You guys would get along well. And turns out this guy had a radio show. It was in oh. Florida, in Orlando, uh, in Winter Park, Florida. 
and that's WPRK, the college radio station there. So long story short, I go down there, we do the show, uh, and after that he asked me to be a co-host. This was back in like 2010, this was over a decade ago, and I wasn't really... I wasn't. I was. I wasn't someone who really spoke up above a, of a, a low, low-sounding, monotone voice. So I didn't say much. But again, long story short, he passed away. So I took over the show. Okay. And I had to figure out. Okay, that might have been a mistake for me. I don't really know anything, and I have to talk for two hours once a week. So I started to devour books and I would take notes in books and I would take notes on pieces of paper and I would go in and I would do like presentation radio shows where I would present a topic and research on it. And over the years that developed into, the, I'd say the last five to six years I've been doing this professionally through three radio networks. Now I'm on the Fringe FM mm-hmm. and I've started to develop I started to develop five, six years ago, kind of my own brand. And from there on, I just started to, um, if I wasn't already learning about a particular field of study, I opened up to everything and I'll read books that are mainstream alternative in between. And I guess the answer to your question is I just like to learn and I accumulate information from every source that I can find and then quantify it from there. Great. Oh, you know what? I, I understand it. I mean, I, personally, I've been in love with books since I was a kid. And um, the fiction stuff. And then, of course, in, you know, you nowadays it's different because, you know, you've got the Internet and you can basically find a book mm-hmm. instantly. But, uh, yeah, I, my if you wanted to find me, usually I was at the library somewhere. So, but But, but it was great. You took up the challenge and you ran with it. And it kind of like, yeah, it morphed into where you're at now. Uh, and there's so, so, let me ask you, in this, um, is you, 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 like you said, you cover a large area of interest, uh, whether it's, you know, the occult, the paranormal, the alternative news, uh, symbolism, you know, so, which by the way, I, I've had heard of symbolism, but after I started looking into it, it's really incredible how much there is if you just know where to look and what to look for. Yeah, it's um, fascinating. It's it's really like wow, uh, that is that's incredible, and it's almost like right there in front of you, but people don't you overlook it because it's uh, you just don't you don't know what you're looking for. It's like no, you know, you, sometimes we're very naive, especially as audiences depending on what it is um, that and and you know, my background is in mental health and, and I'm, I consider myself a subconscious behaviorist and I understand how easily sometimes when things information images sounds music are fed into the subconscious how it will affect the conscious as in you know buying decisions behavior uh, a bunch of stuff uh, and even the symbol symbolism, your subconscious mind will pick up on it and will yes. interpret it. And people don't realize that. Yeah. Colors, animals, insects, mm-hmm. plants, anything and everything can be a symbol or can be representative of, uh, some symbolic meaning. I always, 
and I had to learn this over the years by myself. No one ever taught this to me, and I never really learned it in a book. It was just something that I kind of picked up from studying subjects pertaining to everything from mythology to the deeper depths of occultism, which deal in spirituality and theology and anthropology and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But if you just take something really simple, like if you were to take a pen or pencil and a blank piece of paper and just draw a straight line on it. And if you have that line vertical, that's called the yoni. And if you have, or it could be the phallus. And then if you have the other line, you draw another line to the side of it, pointing towards it, then you get the phallus or the yoni. So those two lines that intersect each other to create a cross represent the male and the female principle so it creates a it creates a cross which is also the element that is uh, extracted from the zodiac wheel where you have the celtic cross where the solar disc is in the center of it and that's where we get a lot of christian iconography but if you take you take that symbol so you have the cross the lowercase t and i always thought this was really cool so if you turn it and you make an x out of it the yoni and the phallus, the female and the male points that meet, you turn it and make an X. Well, with that X, you have the very top, which is the V, and that V is the female, and then the bottom is the phallus, and that's the male. And then if you impose those over each other, you get the Seal of Solomon. And out of the Seal of Solomon comes the four elements, right? So you've got the triangle, the pyramid that goes up, that's the phallus, that's fire, but then when you draw a line at the top of it, up in the air, that gives you the symbol for air, and then when you have the V for water, for the womb, for the woman, you draw a line at the bottom of that, you get the symbol near the ground for earth. So you have all four elements in those in those very, very few lines, plus you have probably one of the most powerful symbols in all religion the cross and you have the x as in the x marks the spot all of that from a few lines on a piece of paper to me that's what esotericism really is it's the the symbolic nature behind something so simple or something so complex and it opens it, it, it allows for an expansion of thought and consciousness by realizing two lines can represent all of that information in such a condensed form that's what it that's what's always been fascinating to me right and, and this is the thing people don't understand you know when, when we see these uh novels from dan brown uh you know about symbolism you know you always think it's hollywood but uh a lot it's if if you knew what how to interpret it what you just described sometimes this was used for the for the for a message in other words or symbolism to for to demarcate certain places certain things uh whether you want to use it as a, a sign or the actual if, if you want to go and you think that there it there is how can i say this that has some pat uh power as a sigil in other words yeah that it's not just a marking all right you know not like okay i'm gonna mark this here and that's it it's just that there is some actual power that lies in the sigil itself once you let's say whether you engrave it on stone or in earth or whatever however it is uh because as you know that there's a lot of those um there's a lot of symbolism of 
and I don't want to say, but lines, how's that? You know, we always think of paintings and something very complicated, but I think the earliest representations were very simple as far as, as for hidden meanings. Uh, Certainly. And you find that you find that incorporated in paintings and architecture. Yes. And if even if you took something like a rose, you know, we often think and associate a rose with love mm -hmm. or sexuality. But depending on what color the rose is, it's going to have different meanings. It could be it could be yellow, it could be white, it could represent friendship, or it could represent purity. That's why the rose was used in the Beauty and the Beast, because the rose has traditionally for many societies been considered a symbol of uh, initiation. So it's the process by which in the Beauty and the Beast, the beast, who's a beast being turned into this monster, but he really was a prince, mm -hmm. represents the soul. And then the soul, because he's confronted with beauty, named bell, as in a bell ringing, mm -hmm. and in music is harmony, and it's through harmony and bell that calms the beast, the animal desire. And if he can find love and true love, then he has the ability to transform back and the rose petals are decaying in the, in the story. Right. So right. that, 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 uh, well, they made it into a live action movie, but that story, the original beauty and the beast story or something like snow white or sleeping beauty, all of these stories incorporate these very ancient mythologies and archetypes and uh, um, symb symbolic representations of the transformation of the soul, but it incorporates it and then translates it over centuries to generations that see it just as a fun story, but that's what ensures that the story is passed on from generation to generation. I, I always kind of think of the, um, you ever seen the movie National Treasure? I'm sorry, which one? National Treasure? Yes. Yeah, remember um, the woman. Her name, I think, is Abigail, and they're yes. looking at the dec their Declaration of Independence. And I think she said it, but they had the map on the back of the Declaration, and she said like a a document of that significance would ensure that the map would survive. And that's kind of what I think. Where you have Beauty and the Beast, these other these other stories, uh, something simple like that, but something such a part of the culture ensures that the elements and the symbols within the story will translate from generation to generation orally without even having to be written down. And if you understand what those elements are within the story, you can extract a whole other meaning from it, in in including, by the way, if you ever um, you ever read about Frank Baum and the Wizard of Oz and what all the characters represent? No. I mean, I've heard that there was a lot of symbolism, but not with exactly. If, if you want to share, go into that. I would love to hear about that. Yeah, some people might go into very, very deep detail, but there, there's an economic and political aspect to it. But that could be extracted from anything, obviously. The, the key element, because Frank Baum was a member of, I believe he was a member of the Golden Dawn, among other various secret societies, which is the foundation for Western occultism. And Frank Baum incorporated into the story, you've got the lion, which is the animal body. You got the tin man, the mineral body, and then you have the scarecrow, which is the vegetable body. And so the Rosicrucians, for example, talk about the various bodies of the ele the elemental body or the elemental kingdom, 
the mineral body or the mineral kingdom, the plant body or the plant kingdom, and then you have the animal body or the animal kingdom, then you have humans, and then you have demigods, and you have gods, and they break it into levels of existence physically and then levels of spirituality or levels of consciousness. They call it the seven spheres of consciousness. So those elements are incorporated likewise into the Wizard of Oz and obviously the man behind the curtain. All of those kinds of archetypes and symbols, that's what makes those stories powerful because at a deep core level, kind of like the subconscious that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. human beings on a soulful level understand what is being, they might not comprehend it consciously, but that's why we love those stories because it has that purpose and that meaning behind it and it speaks to our soul. At least that's how I see it. Yes. Yes, and, and that is how your subconscious speaks to you. It speaks to you in symbols. Now, if you tell somebody the word trash can, you don't see the, the word. You see a trash can. Uh, and as a matter of fact, that's why when sometimes people have those really weird way out dreams of places and people that they don't recognize. And it's, sometimes it's just your subconscious trying to talk to you in a certain symbol. And uh, I tell everybody, you know, sometimes when you see these books about dream interpretation, and I say, that can only take so far. You take, let's say, a tiger. To one person, they are afraid of a tiger. It's something that's going to devour them. To another person, the symbol of the tiger is an animal that's beautiful and powerful. And in other words, it's a different symbol depending on the person's subconscious, what their emotional makeup is. So symbolism also has a, a uniqueness, even though I agree with you what you're saying, that there's a universal uh underpinnings to it and of course we filter it and based on your life experiences uh how open you are there's there's people that are very guarded as far as their subconscious they're uh, for lack of a better word sometimes what we call the analyticals and then there's other people that are more open i mean it, it there's a whole host of things but what you mentioned you know everything changed even though those stories like i'm i'm sure a lot of people have heard a lot of these well-known fairy or you know fairy tales when you look at the original version they were quite dark and then of course they tamed them down and once they that they started what what hollywood started producing them like the wizard of oz they couldn't they they had to make it in a certain way where it was entertaining how's that so that and and if anybody has seen the wizard of oz i'm sure most people would not understand or or think of what you just described as far as what was the meaning of the tin man and the the lion and uh you know and everything you know the the wizard the the, the you know everybody always thinks that the only meaning of that story was that it's it's that that he was not really a wizard. In other words, everybody was afraid of something that really wasn't scary to begin with. And then, then of course, she goes back to uh, to Kansas, and that's that. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, and, and I, from what I understand, there's a lot of other uh, stories that Hollywood has produced that also has a lot of hidden symbolism, based on sometimes really very ancient teachings or schools of mysteries and things of that nature. Um, yeah, we're always it's 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 uh, it's, uh, what was it the other day that um, 
what was I can't remember what the movie was that they were they were dissecting it and talking about all the symbolism hidden in it. Oh, I was like, man, I I thought I was pretty good on catching stuff, but what? <laughs> that's really unusual. Um, yeah, well, I think what happens there's 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 a very unfortunate element that goes into a, a, an extremism, and that's today a lot of people that maybe are well-intentioned, but I think more often than not attempt to create clickbait content online will look for things that they can extract out of movies or television, etc. That's what bothers me about, like for for years, I and uh, some other people I know, including um, Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Mm -hmm. radio show out of Portland, Oregon, we've been doing shows where we've, and, and as objective as a way possible, analyzed Super Bowl halftime shows and things like that. And there's a, an entertaining, fun aspect to it. But you can also kind of use it as an oracle to determine what the major themes of the, of the coming year will be. And that, that kind of turned into everybody thinking that a triangle is an Illuminati devil symbol. And people use words like that, Illuminati, devil, satanic. And it kind of just takes you back to the, 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 the basic element of, of a symbol and what you mentioned a moment ago. And that's people filter it through their own lens. So if you're looking for something, you're going to find it. And for one person, the the pentagram might be a positive symbol of protection, mm-hmm. which it is for most Earth-based religions. Right. And the symbol of the four elements and the fifth rising out of the four, consciousness rising out of the four corners of the material world. And for others, it's a very evil symbol but it's still neutrally present it's the perception of the viewer that changes the meaning of it and that's the whole basis of magic it's the intention behind the user that determines whether something is good or bad in that context absolutely absolutely most people don't realize that anybody that that's uh, uh very well versed in any magical practice you know if you look, there's a lot of these, depending, you know, you get the candle this color and do that here and do that there. And they don't realize that intent really, it, all that is, it's a guide intent. And that once you're very well versed and you know how to channel your intent, you really don't need any of these other things. If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the high roller blackjack scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain, every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack, with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Around you. You know, certain things, yes. People don't realize a lot of it is just, it's just there to, 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 to guide the, the ones that need that visual aid uh, in, in directing their intent. Uh, and it, again, it could be different for depending on the person, what the symbol stands for them, what their belief system is. Uh, and of course, obviously, the intent. What is what is it that they want to either manifest or have it? Even if it's if it's in existence, 
bring it to where they're at. I mean, we could go in so many directions with that. But let me ask you something real quick. Now that you, we were talking about this thing with, with Hollywood, did you ever see a, a movie came out a couple of years ago called Ex Machina? I did see that, yes. Okay. And the reason why I bring that up is I I went to see it and I was intrigued because it was one of the few robot movies that made robots scary. How's that? Um, because, you know, I'm sure that you've seen a lot of the dystopian, you know, Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, uh, different versions, you know, there's from cartoons to uh-huh. action films where uh robotic robots help are helpful or of course the integration of humans with robotics that that melding okay and one of the things about ex machina was that the subject for those of you i don't want to be a spoiler is that it kind of had a very negative um how can i say conclusion as to what happens between humans and robotics well, you know, not not like like uh, set almost something that looks human like. You know how susceptible we are. How's that? Um, and I want to ask you, what what do you think as far as um, do you think that all this stuff that we've gotten? I wanted what since God since Lost in Space. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as um, robotics, uh, you know, whether they help you uh, or not. Uh, what our future is? Yeah, well, I, I wrote a book called The Technological Elixir. Mm-hmm. It's called, the subtitle is Invoking AI or Summoning AI. talks okay. about black goo and a few other things. But in that book, I, I addressed that question. And I tried to do so in a very neutral and objective way. Okay. Because clearly and obviously, for those who like to use hashtags like science is real i get it science is is a is an observation and there are various fields of science so people use talking points whether they're pro or anti something so science technology whatever term you want to apply to it is greatly beneficial it allows us to communicate hundreds of miles away or thousands of miles away it allows people with severe injuries to be um, recuperated people that have even something as simple as a prosthetic limb that's not mechanical. So technology provides us with very positive things that make our lives easier. And that's understandable. I think most people would agree with that. However, it's kind of like the other night I was cooking. I cook dinner every single night because I, lo- I love food and I love health and learning new things. So I'm cooking dinner the other night. And depending on how long, of course, you cook an onion, you can, you know, steam it or you can saute it mm-hmm. um, or like anything, regardless of what you're cooking, if it cooks too long, it starts to burn unless you keep adding oil or water and eventually it's going to get mushy anyway and it's it's not going to probably be that good. I kind of see, and I know technology is a general term, but I kind of see technology, artificial intelligence, robotics and things like that in a very similar way. First of all, if you don't have the capacity or the maturity or the morality as a result of not having proceeded through the proper channels to be able to develop those faculties, then when you are given 
advanced by some perception forms of technology, you're not going to be able to appreciate or respect the technology itself, which will lead to you perhaps abusing that technology. So if some, you, if same thing with money, if I give you and you've never had any, you know, any money um, or you've had some money in your life, but if I just gave someone a billion dollars, oh, yeah. most people couldn't, they would, they would lose themselves and probably end up dead because they wouldn't know how to handle it, right? Technology is very similar and you could apply that to culture, to society, or you can apply it to the individual. Now, on the other side of that, people obviously like dystopia. It's entertaining. I, I play the Fallout video game sometimes. I like dystopia. A lot of that comes from whether movies or video games. It comes from things like, for, for example, in the 1950s, the uh, United States government had groups prepare worst-case scenarios for Soviet nuclear uh, uh, warfare if the Soviets were to attack the United States. And I, I imagine that what they were preparing was similar to what their plans were for attacking the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union had very similar plans to defend against a U.S. attack. But that, that those doomsday scenarios, um, once they were declassified, kind of became the basis for a lot of you know movies and TV shows and, and video games. So clearly the other end of that spectrum is the dangers of technology that are very far into the most dystopic extreme future that you can imagine from the Terminator, which is a prequel to the Matrix series, for example. Now, bringing that back into the middle, we always have to acknowledge that even if we're looking at things neutrally, there are going to be parties that wish to use technological developments for their own personal agendas or because they believe, and I think it's still a personal agenda, they believe that what they're doing is a positive thing. So developing, for example, um, I've talked to people who have either worked at or people that know someone in their family that work at a defense contractor in the United States. And they, they truly believe, and, and maybe they're delusional, it's not for me to say, but they truly believe that building weapons, missiles, bombs, etc., or guidance systems for those devices is doing a, 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 their patriotic duty, and it's a positive thing. And as long as they don't see where the bomb drops and who dies or who it affects, then it's out of their hands, it's not their problem, it's not their fault. So there are people that naively or they are delusional, or they're psychotic, and they want to build these kinds of things, right? That, that, that's always going to be there as well. Then, then on the other side of that, that smaller spectrum, you have people that will refuse to obtain any kind of technological advancement. I'm not talking right. necessarily about the Amish, but right. people like me, I'll take the very base minimum. I've got the oldest phone that I can have without having a flip phone, and that's for work. And I have the cheapest, oldest PC that I'm surprised even boots up. And I have a very small radio set up. And yet I, I do my professional radio show with the, with the baseline equipment. Right. That's just me because that's how we function in the, in the nature of the progressive technological development. Right. So I think I, I always like to preface with the details because I don't like to look at things in a black and white capacity. 
and I know that talking points sound better and, you know, having, um, having sound bites sound better, but to really fully comprehend and understand something, you have to look at not just both sides, but you have to look at both sides of both sides of both sides, et cetera, et cetera, and remain open to information. So if you have the development of artificial intelligence, and this is what bothers me, when you have the people that are developing it, for whatever the reason might be, and they're doing it publicly at big universities, and you have them saying, in some cases like at MIT, we are developing things that we don't understand how they work, but we understand how to develop them. So we're just going to keep developing them, although we know that these things are extremely dangerous. Well, on the surface, you have a political element where you're worried about, quote-unquote, enemies developing the same technology. It could be for weapons. It could be for, you know, anything. So you're going to have a moral conundrum that, well, what do we do? Just like during the Cold War, do we stop building nuclear weapons because the Soviets might have more? If we don't keep up with them, we, you know, a nuclear exchange, we'd lose. There's that element to it. And that in and of itself is up for, you know, debate because another country is likely thinking exactly the same thing. Should we continue to build these systems? So the point is, with the development of something like AI, why that concerns me personally is because you have the people developing it that are questioning why they're doing it. Even people like Elon Musk has referred to artificial intelligence as summoning a demon right and in right have you heard that before yes yes yeah so he's literally he's referencing the summoning of something powerful that you cannot control um i've interviewed sophia stewart the woman who wrote the original version of the matrix and and the terminator films for that matter um not the films themselves but the original stories that were Mm -hmm. were hijacked and then she actually won the lawsuits but the point is she was, we, we were talking about all this and, and about the development of you know technology, and I never thought of this, but she said, well, the Terminator films and the development of robots and AI was a prequel to the Matrix films because you've got the development of this technology to, to the extreme where AI fully takes over. It's not just Skynet. It takes right. over and build, builds a simulation of, of, of um, the real world. And a lot of people, I'm going to try to bring this around full circle to answer your question. A lot of people I feel, and I know because I've talked to them, and I've also been a person who's thought this before, that apocalyptic events and end-of-the-world scenarios and the development of like a Skynet, let's say, to reference the Terminator, that these things are going to happen overnight and Hans Zimmer is going to have his orchestra playing in the background and in 90 minutes, the movie's over. Two hours, it's over. And it's, but that's obviously not how things work. Things work whether they're planned or otherwise or they're a mix. They, they work incrementally. So when people talk about things like uploading consciousness or your brain into a computer, I talk to people just in friendly conversations. Someone, in fact, the other day I was talking to them and they said, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. I don't. I don't want to have my brain uploaded into a, you know, into a computer. And I said, well, do you have a cell phone and do you use social media? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, you've already started that process. Unfortunately, I have too. The process of uploading your content to the internet and using cellular phones and everything 
basic all your data everything being tracked and traced and uploaded into a database where you have digital avatars and profiles that's the starting phase that's the initial step so it's incrementally done planned or otherwise or a combination of both where regardless of what you want to do the ultimate end game is the uploading of that information into that system so at the end of the proverbial day something has occurred ultimately which will continue to progress that you otherwise wouldn't have acquiesced to if it happened suddenly but it's been incrementally done so that you accept it and it's very similar to when people talk about something like the mark of the beast or Mm -hmm. you know tattoos and microchips and what you were saying at the beginning of the of the show tonight marlene is that uh, talk talking about COVID 19 and Mm -hmm. things like this people are obviously aware of this around the world no matter where they are and if people are afraid of being sick or getting others sick and their fear comes from the unknown so if you're informed and you understand things People ask me, well, why aren't you more scared knowing what you know? And I say, well, it's not that I'm not scared. I mean, there are things that make me nervous or a little bit frightened, but I'm aware of a lot of things and I've read a lot of things. So I'm not really as afraid because I'm more aware. So if you're unaware and you're afraid of things, then you're going to acquiesce to whatever the people you believe, the authorities, the people that you believe are in the know what they know you're going to you're going to react to that in that in that in that capacity so the, i think the the biggest thing that an individual can do is to inform themselves but to do so through the process of independent critical thought where you obviously are not in just like in a paranormal investigation you don't go in looking for ghost a because you're probably going to miss ghost b and find evidence of ghost e ghost a which might not exist that's the example i give mm-hmm. I, I guess the point the point I'm tra- we did it again verizon was just named america's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row proving once again that nobody builds networks like verizon builds networks that's why we're building 5g right that's why there's only one best network verizon Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Trying to get get to is technolo- technological development and leading to th- things like X uh, Machina and obviously Terminators and all that. I feel to use a line from the uh, one of the. Uh, Terminator films. I think I forget which one it was. I think it was the Christian Bale one, the one that was really, really terrible, in my <laughs> view. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the AI, the AI system said, "You cannot stop me. I am inevitable." And I feel it's not a fearful thing. I, I feel that it is an inevitability that we will progress to that point because individually and collectively, we are not spiritually if you want to use that word but we are not i usually use the word consciously we're not as consciously aware and in control because we choose to live our lives in a way that is more comforting based on instinct than uncomfortable but puts us in power so as a result of that what happens is 
we allow these developments to occur because we think that more progress, more building, more technology, that this is where we need to be going. This is the end game. But there never is an end game. The only end game is the total reversal and enslavement of all human beings and all consciousness. You're either, either moving in the direction of being conscious and aware, or people might say free, or being unconscious and unaware, and people might say you're a slave. And I think somewhere on that spectrum, there needs to be a stopping point. And morally, we can see that. And maybe if we're you know spiritual or conscious, we can see that. But if, if, if otherwise, we have to be able to remove ourselves as much from that you know participation although the inevitable will happen but as long as we're aware of what's going on i think that that puts us in power to at least slow down that inevitability which will be a little bit of a mix probably of the same kind of incrementalism where you won't even recognize what's happening because most people don't already well and you're absolutely right humans do not like to exist in a constant state of anxiety. You know, we have our moments of anxiety, certain things happen. But like you said, if we start to really think about this 24-7, let's say something like this, what the impact is of AI, um, if, if it can, would it become sentient? Uh, whatever the case might be, people don't want to dwell on that too, too long because where it takes us. And uh, also... If you look at, and I'm going to, at some point, you know, robotics was always seen as something distinctly mechanical, non-human. And I'm going to use another Hollywood example. You remember the original Alien movie? Mm -hmm, the yes. one where they have a robot m manning or helping them man the spaceship. But they're all unaware that the science officer is... A very it's a robot but of course the, the the company that put him there knew that the trust that 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 humans relate to other human like things with an acceptance that normally we would not have had if he was like a robot you know like a regular robot and then it turns out he was you know that's when everybody found out that everybody was expendable and all they cared about was bringing back the alien but you know a secondary storyline was the 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 how robots disguised as human in other words even if they look human they're not human and then sometimes our humanness can be used against us because we tend to behave certain ways towards something that looks like us as we far feel as acceptance, etc., and I think sometimes people, uh, that's that's why, or that, or the integration. And by the way, I totally agree. I'm I'm not anti-technology. There's a lot of things that are very very positive and advantageous to us, as far as technology. Uh, like you said, there are certain prosthetics that are being used nowadays. If you want to look at them as a type of uh, technology for people that have had some severe accident that have lost a limb or they have had some type of brain damage but then you start seeing the uh, what's the message that you're a better human if you're not totally human and I think that's where I start having problems with it like in other words that you would seek it out not as a remedy 
but because you're going to be a better human. Yeah, that's that's why I, I remember like four years ago, I wrote my book, The Technological Elixir, two years ago, but like three or four years ago, I've written a lot of books, but I've only got three published now on my uh, on my website. I do the, I do self publishing. It's even better than a publisher, of surprisingly. Course. Yes, it but is. I I was thinking one night. I was just laying down, and I I thought I don't know why the words came to my my head. But it was like I thought technological elixir because I always I've always read about the elixir of life and you know people throughout history trying to find you know the, the fountain of youth Paul Stanley on or trying to find the elixir of life some miracle substance philosopher's stone and in, in some stories that can provide you with everlasting physical life but and I go into this in the book too one of the problems with that idea is the missing piece to it and that's the other the other um, the other side of the coin per se if you have everlasting material life, you also have everlasting spiritual death. Mm. And the idea that you can live forever in a material body that naturally and organically is going to decay, you can rebuild the machine and you can replace parts, but ultimately it has to die. And having a limited experience whether that's 70 80 years or if you believe in reincarnation you have mm -hmm. multiple experiences you have a certain lifespan and your consciousness comes in and it comes out if you want to look at things from a strictly spiritual standpoint right. and to extend that to the furthest extreme just look at it in fact this would be a really great um uh, example I, I i think and it would be a great topic for a show just to do a whole show on this that when a lot of people right now first got the news that they'd have to stay home and be locked down and quarantined early 2020 here mm -hmm. from COVID-19 a lot of people these people I knew were excited about that because you know rightfully so they feel work to death and they want some time off and they feel like they're going to get some free money so great but now people that Again, anecdotally, but a lot of people that I've talked to, they otherwise would want to lay in bed all day. They've realized, hmm, laying in bed all day for a month straight and even getting yeah. some mon money isn't – I can only watch so much Netflix and yes. I can only yeah. – right? Yes. So you have to produce something. People are more happy when they're productive and they're more happy when they're accomplished. I talk about this in the book too. So – if you were to, for example, say, and it wouldn't ever be indefinite, and even the elites like Musk and Kurzweil and all these guys don't talk about like eternal life in the sense that you're going to live literally forever until the sun burns out or until the universe collapses. They're just talking about you know hundreds of years of life extension. Well, most people are pretty burned out after you know 30, 40 years of of working you know, five days a week. What kind of existence would that be, Marlene, if you just were living for 500 years and going through the same, it wouldn't be an, ex it would be hell. And yes. that's the disturbing thing because the promise of eternal life is really eternal death and it damns you to a digital hell with a digital devil to use theological terms. And that is the problem that I personally have with the technological elixir the idea that technology is the elixir of life that can save us from the material decay which is necessary for spiritual rebirth 
Have you seen this show? I, I believe it's on Netflix. It's called Altered Carbon. You know and, what? I've five people or so tell me to watch that, but I haven't seen it. Well, it, 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 the premise is futuristic, you know, a little bit dystopian, where your consciousness, your self-awareness, you, the you, has been able to be captured in a disc that fits into the back of your neck. And that as long as, let's say, if you suffer an accident, as long as it's not in that area or a trauma, basically that disc can be removed and it can be put into a new suit, a new body. All right. And you wake up in this new body, but it's still you. And the premise is, it's, it's just interesting. Whereas if you're, if you have money, you get this beautiful suit or great body. If you don't have that much money, okay, who knows where you're going to end up at. But again, it's the same premise. It's that, that desire to exist forever and ever. And again, everything that make life sweet eventually loses its appeal. Because how many times all right, can you, can you have experience through your senses, whatever your body is, let's say, if we go with that premise of that show, where it just is like, does it matter anymore? It's like, so who cares? They've been there, done that. Kind of what it boils down to. Yeah. Uh, Something as simple as eating. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to go, I, I really love food and cooking, but I tend to go in cycles where I'll, I'll eat the same thing like five nights mm -hmm. in a row and then I'm, I'm done with it for like six months. Yeah, of course. Or that you have a favorite food that you say, you know, it tastes great, but I only have it once in a while. And that's why it's like my special food that I like, you know, there's a certain recipe and, but if you had it, like you said, try eating that for a couple of months and it'd be like, I hate it. <laughs> it's yeah. like a lot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and, and I have, and I mean, we could go with that into the, not only fear of death, but fear of aging, even though people are living now longer. And of course, everybody's looking at the quality of life. Uh, again, there's, uh, I want to say part of the, depends on the society you live in, but there's also um, a problem with death. How's that? Death or aging or what happens to every living thing? You know, you slow down, you wind down, you become susceptible to disease or just you just don't work as well. And it's almost like people don't want to go there. Uh, and by this, I don't mean, I, I mean, I understand that there's a behavior or an appearance and sometimes that society imposes on humans. Like if you're this age, you should look and behave this way. I think that sometimes that's works to our detriment because you shouldn't do just because society expects that that's what you're going to be looking or doing. As a matter of fact, it's changed a lot. And you know, once upon a time, we would look at grandparents and everybody would be like, you know, gray haired and, uh, you know, you know, all rickety with a walking cane. And you look at most grandparents now, it's like, yeah, we're like, we're heading <laughs> down to the keys. You know, we're going to do a mystery fest, whatever, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's inevitable. And I think sometimes our society has a little bit of a problem. Uh, dealing with it and of course what comes behind that is spirituality everybody's different you know, some people think that once you die that's it you're dead other people are not really sure and don't want to think about it uh some people have religious beliefs that tell them exactly what's going to happen once you die and there's other people that are like oh you know i'll figure it out when i get there 
Uh, but again, sometimes I think that that fear of getting old, which of course leads to death, which the the there's like that part of that well, I'll live forever if I can replace my body. What's the best way to replace your body is of course mechanically. Um, and yeah, I, I think that behind the scenes there is that fear of. You mean that's it? It's over. But you made a good point, Ryan. I think that at some point, eventually down the road, after you've lived X amount of years, there's a part of you that's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready now. It's like, right. And you kind of give into it. And the, 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 there's a, there's a really scary element to that. I feel, and that is, although you and I are are in agreement, it seems, and I'm, I'm sure some of your audience or a lot of your audience might feel the same way or at least they see this other perspective the the scary thing about it is it's not death but that it often depending on you know the the venue for this type of conversation it often tends to spill over into things like eugenics and movies like logan's run oh god yes and the power in those cases are no longer left to you or me or anyone listening. The, those decisions are now left to the state or the, the, yes. the powerful force that dictates your life. And I want to be very clear that that is in no way, shape, or form what I'm referring to. But it's that mindset. It's, the, yes. it's like the last hurdle, I think, Marlene. Mm-hmm. The last hurdle because you, you can cast off the, the weights of the world. And studying the things that we've discussed tonight. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain. Every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks just call it a cultism has kind of freed me of a lot of weight and anxiety and i feel i just feel calm and at peace but the last roadblock and the last hurdle before you can get to to that place in my opinion from my experience is that for a moment you start to think well maybe a demise pill is a really good idea maybe (laughs) you know having a, a certain group of people that have certain genetics and they're quote unquote superior maybe that's a good idea now i'm being honest with you that goes through that went through my mind that goes through my mind for like a couple of maybe a couple months you know years and years and years ago and then i and then you realize and maybe some people realize it instantly it took me a few weeks a few months you're like well if you want to make that argument fine but then you have to put people humans like you in charge of making those decisions And that doesn't turn out well. So let's forget that, jump the hurdle, and let's just be at peace with what we know and be okay with dying, but on our own terms when oh, we're course. comfortable. Right? 
Well, what you said, if, if, do you remember Logan's run? They were okay with being snuffed out because they didn't realize they were being snuffed out. They thought they were right. going through a rebirth. They right. were being sold a bill of goods. <laughs> they, everybody would go, and that's why they had a number like Logan 5, 4, whatever. And you thought you were uh, any minute now because I believe it was that they were being cloned. Uh, but to them, they were just going to come back. It wasn't that they were going to die. They were coming back. Nobody was telling them, no, we're just we're killing you. <laughs> and, you know, they had people floating in the air, and then poof, they'd be gone. I'd be like, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, in other words, they never really, even then, got the truth of what was happening where they were numbers of humans of the population was being controlled at a certain age. That was it. You know, and it sounded, what was it, like mid-30s? Yeah, it was like 30. That, that was it. You, you know, after, you're gonna you're gonna start going downhill after this, um, and yeah, a lot of hedonism. You know, you could do whatever you want while you were alive, but uh, basically, it was everything was controlled by I don't know if you want to call it the government or whoever was in charge. Is and uh, yeah, uh, there it, 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 there was always that belief. In other words, it, it, they sold it because it was always not that you were ending it was just you were coming around again yeah it's very similar in a sense maybe a little bit different to that episode of the twilight zone called to serve man do you remember that episode which one was that i don't know maybe i know if you describe it to me because sometimes i don't know by the title yeah i think that this relates to logan's run and what you just said and it also relates to technology and the question that you asked a little bit ago one of my favorite episodes, top five of the Twilight Zone. These aliens come to Earth, as so often happens in the Twilight Zone. Yes. And uh, they come to the United Nations, and they bring this book with them. And and they offer the, the UN, they offer the world uh, technology and energy and resources to help. And they mm-hmm. say that they're here to serve man. And so the world basically for the most part, buys into this and they accept the technology and they accept that the aliens want to help us. And they don't, the people don't start float, floating and exploding and all this and they're not promised reincarnation or coming back, but they're promised that some humans in exchange for you know the, the deal that the world leaders have made mm-hmm. will be taken to the alien world and they will be they will be served. They will be made. You oh know, my like, god! Is this the right? one with the cookbook? Yeah, exactly. Oh my god! Okay, yes, I know which one it is. <laughs> I love it. But it's it. a cookbook. They're gonna they're gonna kill you. They're gonna eat you. Yeah, and that that, that episode is is just fantastic to convey that that yes. that um that element because and it's the technology you promised everlasting life, easier life, technology, yes. technology. But the people that are giving you that and promising that they're they're here to serve you. They're giving you the AI, the voice assistant, the the cell phones, the tablets, the computers, the internet, the various and increasing levels of electromagnetic forms of radiation, the 4G, 5G, etc. They're there to serve you. It's for faster download yes. speeds and you can watch movies and you can talk to your friends and you can do all this stuff on the internet and all these little tiny devices, but ultimately that's what that episode of the twilight zone represents that many years ago they're going to offer you the technology but the technology is a trojan horse and if you accept it you've bought your own enslavement 
Yes, and which, by the way, and exactly like what you described, this was not an overnight thing. You know, that Trojan horse took years, and I think it's still happening nowadays. Um, it, 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 it is, yes. And, you know, when you lived as long as, and not that, that I'm not that old, but I, I tell everybody, you know what? Living in South Florida, it's very hot and humid down here. And I remember we only had an AC unit in the bedroom, and at night we would turn it on. And the rest of the house, we used to fan. And you know what? I never felt like I lost out. Nowadays, I'm a real wimp when it comes to the humidity. But, you know, it wasn't like I suffered for it. You know, like, oh, my God. You know, there's been a lot of advances that people think how life must be horrible without this. You know, and I was like, not really. You know, then, of course, you know, when we it's it started with communications, you know, when I said, man, once upon a time, you had one phone in your house and that was it. And no answering machines and people would call you and didn't expect you to be available instantly. And you would receive a letter. And uh, and if they didn't reach you, they'd call back or the next day. Uh, and which I think a lot of a lot, a lot of anxiety is caused by that we're supposed to be available 24-7 to yes, I, you. Including our own family, by the way. That's That's part of my problem is that I feel that I have to be connected 24 hours a day and i mean i i don't even really support the whole technological grid i have i mean i have a cell phone and i i use it for radio related stuff but if i don't turn it off then i feel like there's always going to be that text or that that notification and that that gives you're right that gives me massive anxiety and when i get rid of it and i leave the house and i take a walk and i go read somewhere I feel totally fine. Like I feel completely at peace. It's just this damn phone. Yes. That, which yes. is. Go ahead. No, no. It's what I'm saying is that I remember once upon a time when we went from house phone to the answering, you know, those, you know, those boxy square answering machines and then the pagers, you know, I, I yep. lived through that evolution of, you know, being instantly, gra- like you said, gradually you buy into more intrusion even though it's mask masqueraded as convenience you know what if there's an emergency what if your family member something needs you know like blah 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 and um i'm going to give you a perfect for instance there was i want to say 2005 2006 I, i bought a car and it was you know that that system that onstar system basically yes. it's it's a gps it tracks you Yes. But they sell it to you as in even now if you have an accident in the mil- in the wilderness you know you fall off the side of a mountain <laughs> they'll find you or you know or that you need help you know it's of course it's always the worst case scenario okay, okay but then they they leave out the part of that they can track you uh same thing with a lot of you know those the a lot of the uh, auto insurance companies they have those things where you put boxes, in your car right? boxes and they give yeah. you a discount and I'm like you know what they're basically finding out is if you speed <laughs> or if you have an accident whose fault was it were you going over you know like they 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 kind of like give you the this this benefit without really saying what it is that they want. Like, in other words, they don't care about giving you a benefit, but that's the only way you're going to buy into it. In other words, that's what I'm saying. The only way you're going to buy it. Yep. That's that's the the only only way you're going to allow it. Yeah. And I remember when I got that answer, I was like, man, this is the best thing. This is great. 
<laughs> it's like, yeah, right. Then later on, you start wising up. But again, uh, I'm going to say, especially um, oh, now people are becoming more aware, but there's like an innocence that people don't see it for what it is sometimes. They don't understand it. They really, really think of just the positive aspects of this process where now all of a sudden uh, you can't imagine your life, like you said, without my phone, uh, God, without the internet. How's that? Uh, I mean, so many things that we take for granted uh, that you sometimes people go into withdrawals if they don't have them. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We're addicted to it yes. for sure because yes. of the mostly because of the instant gratification of it. You know, I don't really, I don't really ever, ever uh, think about uh, like direct solutions to problems because for me, the solution is just part of a lifestyle, and that's just not really participating for the most part as much as possible. But I was thinking of a of a solution to the problem of generally speaking collective groups of people that are what you just said unaware and naive i don't think it's really trying to get other people necessarily to to realize the dangers or the potential dangers of things in in a lot of different ways i think it's maybe more rather than going forward and finding people that are unaware maybe go backwards and find um you know I'm not saying other people's children, but you look at children and teach children how to critically think, which means that parents, kind of to reference George Carlin, parents will have to have their own BS question in the household. But children need to be taught how to think critically. If children are taught to think critically and they're thought to think as objectively as possible, there's always going to be a little subjective bias. But if you teach people to think objectively and to ask questions regardless of what the narrative is and regardless of who says it that allows for an understanding that will develop naturally where there is no bs because i mean i'll give you an example i've developed uh i think in the same way that a lot of people have developed and you clearly think very similar to me we didn't go to the same school. We're not close to the same um, um, in environment. We're not the same age. And everybody I talk to, like you, thinks not the same way because I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we disagree on, which is great, and that helps people to grow. But we think in, at the same time, an identical way. And that identical way is, well, I'm not just going to believe something because right. someone said it or because I read it, I'm going to leave my perception open to other possibilities. And that's what allows conversations like this to, to, um, to transpire because we can have a conversation, which isn't necessarily confirming biases. It's looking at all sides of something. And it's not something that we have to, we don't have to subscribe is what I'm saying to a, to a point of view. We don't have to subscribe to a belief system at all. And I know, and I know other, other, other thing about that is I know a lot of people will say like, well, I don't subscribe to a belief system. And then you get into the conversation. They're like, oh, but you know, I, you know, as long as you believe in Jesus, then everything's okay. Or as long as you believe in Allah, everything's okay. Or, well, I mean, you know, I, 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 I like to think for myself, I'm open-minded, but you know, that UFO thing, that's just totally crazy. Well, then you're not really that open-minded because right. even though I might 
disagree with a lot of stuff, I'm still open to the kernel that might exist in the center of the thing that I might not agree with. And it's that level of, not level, but that type of thinking I think is the most critical because it is critical thinking. That's what we need to do is to teach children that rather than try to teach adults how to see things because the brain, like in the Matrix, once it unplugs at a certain age, there's no way for it to survive. Right. It'll die. Right. And I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you, you know, what part of the problem has become, Ryan, that we are very afraid of feeling anxiety. And the kind of thinking that you're describing, which is where you analyze and basically vet what your beliefs are on whatever, whatever it might be, anything. Anything, yes. It could be anything causes any not, not, doesn't cause but we're so afraid of any anxiety or or something where will this lead if i really start deciphering and understanding oh you know that's kind of and by this i don't mean paranoia i mean if people are so afraid of feeling a little anxiety that they just like i just won't think about it yeah if everybody else is doing it okay instead of doing what you described critical thinking analyzing it or saying that theory Maybe a part of it I understand or I think is valid, but the rest of it, I'm going to discard it. Or, you know, what does it really mean? And people, the people are run away, run away from anxiety and they don't explore uncomfortable things, theories, uh, information that's given to them. Uh, because it's like, I, I, I can't think about that. You know, it's just, I'd rather be just numb and just go with the flow. And it's all good. Everybody else is doing it. And I think that's one of the problems that we've developed, even with the newer generations, which is, despite, you know, how they say when you're young, you want to be different, but not really. (laughs) You you want to be with a crowd. It's because we are so afraid of dealing with anxious moments or thoughts. Uh, and that knowing, you know, and of course, you know, we, then we have, that's a lot of times what happens where people get into substance abuse or, you know, other addictive behavior. It doesn't even have to be substance. It could be any type of abuse, which is, you know, disassociation, numbing, how people self-soothe. I mean, that's a whole other show. But it's almost like if people would be like, hey, you know, thinking about this or, or dissecting it, man, that, that's making me feel like, what the heck is this about? You know, like, what? It makes you uncomfortable, I, but they don't want to deal with it. I think there's a, there's a, there's an irony to that because when you, in my experience, in my just my personal view, my experience, my perception, when you do question those things, yeah, I mean, it could be your religious view, your political view, anything. And I and I always tell people, for example, I'm not I'm not um, I'm not religious. I'm not spiritual. I'm not a, an atheist, an anarchist, a Christian. I'm not, you know, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I don't have any identification yet. I guess you could say I have all those identifications because I'll listen and I'll read and I'll learn all those different things. But I, and this isn't like a rebellious attitude. I just mm-hmm. don't have any, any. Uh, any label that can be applied to me because with a label comes positives and negatives that are just part of the package. Right. Right. So I think the, the the kind of the irony there is that you have anxiety questioning those beliefs, but it's, it's really a spiritual defense mechanism or for those that might call spirit God, it's really a, a heavenly godlike 
defense mechanism that allows you to, once you question it and realize, wait a minute, that wasn't so bad, like getting right. your haircut for the first time. Yeah. It's actually empowering because now you can look at what you believe and you can analyze it and you can say, well, now I've thought about it. That doesn't yes. actually make any sense at all. Let me think about it a little bit more. It gives you more power. What's not empowering is sinking into a black hole of avoiding anything that is a little bit uncomfortable, which the more you do that, the more uncomfortable anything is going to be until you basically sink into what I would call like a spiritual singularity, just compressed in this one little spot and not able to step out of it. And then you live your life in a, in a bubble. Well, and, and this is by this, I don't mean like, I mean, some people also can overanalyze stuff. Don't don't get me wrong. It's sure. not like yes. I'm going to like every little thing. It's like okay, you you you're getting carried away here. You, you got to live life, you know. But at the same time, when new ideas come about or whatever in any area of life, it's okay to look at it and think, does that fit me? Does that? How does that make me feel? Especially sometimes if it comes from a trusted source, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. It, can, it can make you very uncomfortable when you think that there's something there that doesn't quite jive or doesn't sound right or like it's like nah because people are afraid of that uncomfortable feeling they don't want to feel it they don't want to feel it and um that's herd mentality unfortunately that's where it takes you yeah you know what i think that that's that's part of the problem is the it's like um a seesaw it goes back and it goes forth and it goes back and it goes forth. It's like a tug of war. And if you don't if you don't question anything, clearly you can live in the bliss of your of your yes. beliefs and your perceptions. If you question everything, you know, there's there's a point where like with technology, you can question things to the point where the basis of of thought and consciousness in a sense starts to kind of break down and that's the best way i think i could explain it it starts to break down and then you kind of create this alternate view of the world where certain things become a new reality i'll give you an example of that i don't know if that's very clear it's it's all this stuff that we've seen with clickbait news, fake mm-hmm. news, and, and all this. Right. A lot of that, I don't think, is a result of people in any kind of media writing fake stories. You know, I don't think it's that simple, writing fake stories for clickbait attention. I think things like Pizzagate to hashtags like Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself I think these are psychological warfare techniques yes. because what it ultimately does is there's there's absolutely piles, for example, of emails. I've got copies myself from WikiLeaks, all mm-hmm. the stuff that came out about trafficking humans and children, etc. But no one remembers that. What everybody remembers who's either aware or very invested, they remember Pizzagate, Pizzagate. Right. And what people remember about Jeffrey Epstein is not what he did when he was alive, it's, but yeah. that he, he didn't kill himself, right? So the psychological warfare is creating this sub-reality, 
kind of like with AI and, and microwaves and, and, and the Internet, a sub-reality where your reality is controlled by um, a central source of planners, I would suggest the intelligence communities in terms of psychological warfare that coerce, kind of like V said in V for Vendetta, that coerce mm-hmm. your behavior yes. into thinking that you're like in the back seat of your mom's car driving the car with the plastic steering wheel, but what you're doing is your mom's driving you down the road and you think that you're in control, but you're not, and it's not a game. So I think that's the sub-reality of quote-unquote critical thinking, which is not really critical thinking. Critical thinking means remaining balanced in your thoughts and not subscribing to those sub-realities any more than you subscribe to the mainline reality of what other people determine to be acceptable or the truth. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, but that's... yes, of course. But again, that that's a process. It's, it's done gradually. Yes, it is. Uh, because if not, everybody notices, and that's not what you want. You want it to become part of the norm. You know, in other words, where it's like, of course, and, and then of course, you know, if if, if at any point, um, again, you know, that fear of exploring something that makes you feel uncomfortable or challenges your belief system or something even inside of you that's saying, man, that doesn't add up, you know, it's like, no, I won't go there. Uh, I, I'm not, forget it. No, no, no. I, I've, you know, I've got to, uh, I've got to go and binge on my new show and whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to think about that. And, and those things are still okay to do. Oh because yeah. I, yeah. I do that. Right. It's just not being lost in the sub reality. Exactly. Exactly. That there's, there's, um, how can I say those things I want to say are addendums to living, but you got to live. Yes. Not live yes. through, you know, the show that you're watching, which unfortunately I want to say a lot of people do that. That's why they get carried away. And they kind of like that, that line between, uh, reality and make believe starts to blur and they live, whatever they you know some of the things that you see on some of these shows it's like hello do you realize that that's just purely purely entertainment (laughs) (laughs) yes there's nothing that that's like go ahead and try that and see what happens you know and uh yeah but they it's we're very uh human beings are, are very malleable up to a certain point some more than others depending on their intelligence emotional makeup a bunch of stuff um, and ultimately though, I want to say a lot of these things always go in the direction of wanting to control us as a whole. I don't think that they would be going through all the, when I say they, I'm talking about a, who knows the, what, what falls into that they, uh, would not be going through this trouble unless there was an ultimate purpose to it. And you don't fool somebody unless there's something that if they knew the truth, they wouldn't be on board with it. Yeah, that's a pretty simple summary of a lot of different things, including, I think, a lot of what's been happening in 2020 with lockdowns and quarantines. And I don't think, I used to think this way, but I don't think things are so black and white. Um, Obviously, you know, I think that what happens is you have people that view things as I don't trust the official story. I don't trust media, the president, 
I don't trust Congress. I don't trust, you know, the parliament. So I'm going to believe, I don't think people are consciously thinking this, but it's how the brain works. Mm -hmm. I'm going to now believe anything that is contrary to what these people say, because it's the opposite. Right. And the opposite has to be true. If A is wrong, then B has to be true or one or whatever relationship you want to make. So I think it goes in this direction to the point where people that don't believe the mainstream narrative believe anything to the contrary. And clearly there are things that are to the contrary that are far more accurate and, and relevant. Yes. However, there are those that want to exploit that, and that's yes. where the clickbait psychological warfare comes in. So when you have, you mention a, a they, and as in a people or a group right. of people, it's not black and white where you have groups of people in the United States or another country that want to do X, Y, Z, and then you have other people that want to stop X, Y, Z. It's, right. it's not that simple. It's like with the U.S. federal government's response to what's happening in 2020 with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. There are people that are making decisions based on probably what they feel is, is the best decision to make. They're under various forms of pressure, and that could be anybody. Right. Uh, and then there are people like Dr. Fauci. And Dr. Fauci works directly under Bill Gates through his foundation. He's the He ran the... Um, the National Institutes of Health, when they transferred genetic, uh, well, it wasn't even necessarily genetic material. They, it was the, they, they transferred a coronavirus right. to the Chinese and gave them millions of dollars in a grant in order to study it. Now, that's yes. a separate story, but the point is yes. Fauci is, is, is there on television and if you watch what Bill Gates says, and I'm going to I want to bring this around to what you were you were saying, if I can. Sure. Bill Gates was saying we need to have papers to travel, and then Dr. Fauci comes out like a day later and said, "Yeah, we're thinking about having immunity cards to travel." And then Bill Gates said, "This isn't going to be over until there's a vaccine." And then Fauci comes out like a day later and says, "Yeah, we'll need a vaccine before this whole thing's over." Now, if you've got a couple of brain cells to rub together and you know yeah. that Fauci is literally working on the on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation leadership yes. board, you'll know he's taking talking points not from the president or from some shadowy cabal, but right. he's taking talking points directly from Bill Gates. So exactly. people like Bill Gates have their own agenda. And people like Bill Gates for decades have talked about utilizing technology to track and to trace people, microchips, digital tattoos, bio stamps. Mm -hmm. They've got so many patents on these things that makes your head spin when you look at it. Now, people will say, well, that's Bill. Why would Bill Gates want to do that? doesn't matter what what you think Bill Gates would do or what any of these people would do based on what you would do because they don't think like you and they're not going to do those types of things that you would do because they're either psychopaths or yeah. at the very least they have a completely different view on reality and they believe that they are better than you. They're elitists. Yes. So I guess the point is there are going to be people like that who are going to have their own agenda, which will ultimately, if they were to get their way, result with forced vaccines of 7 billion people in mm -hmm. the words of Bill Gates, that in, in the adverse reaction and death of about 700,000, admittedly, right. uh, microchips, bio stamps, tracking, tracing, and, you know, who knows what else. 
Then you have others that are simply exploiting, which Bill Gates is also doing this, but you have people that are just exploiting the situation to to, to whatever their agenda, whether it's making money or advancing their political career. I feel that if you look at things, you clearly see that too, mm -hmm. that if you look at things in this capacity where it's not like, oh, you know, it's 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 this person's fault, that group's fault, it's, yes. it's, it's yes. the the cabal versus the alliance or the deep state versus, you know, the QAnon people, that stuff's just meant to pull you into a rabbit hole, yes. a bottomless pit. Of Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain, every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. Psychological manipulation. And the real power exists when you question every little detail that comes to you, including you know, questioning your own perceptions and intuitions. That, to me, is the most empowering thing. And that's what allows you, it allows me, I know, Marlene, to study everything from health to virology to technology and talk to people like you and talk to other people who have a similar view, although we will probably disagree on a lot of things, which but come fine. to the same, which is fine, but mm -hmm. come to the same conclusions because we're using a similar way of thinking. And you, And one of the things you ask yourself is, always why why okay because let's say let's go with that thing of um the vaccination you know whatever why oh well because we want to help humanity okay want to help humanity then why don't you just let the people that want to do it do it and the ones that don't don't why do you have to force anybody right why it's a, why no because no. all right if if you want to participate because you think that maybe having something implanted on you that you know um, says everything about you can track you uh, and you'll be told hey you know they'll have your complete health they're available so if you ever have a medical emergency they'll know how to treat you and if you have some type of crisis you know whatever they sell you okay you want to go with it go with it the problem is why do they have to force everybody to do it I, that that's that's a good point and i always use this as an example i always say and ask a, a question some people might actually answer it but i i mean it to be more rhetorical do you really think that multi-billion dollar international corporations that yes. work with some of the most corrupt human beings and governments that the world has ever seen do you really think that these people who, by any clinical definition, are psychotic, are sociopathic, are eugenicists and elitists, do you really think these people are investing 
billions, if not trillions over decades of dollars into systems that will be able to, from space to the ground to inside your body, allow them to have full spectrum dominance over every aspect of your life. Do you really think that they're spending all that money, all that time and all that energy for what my favorite excuse, Marlene, is about technology? Well, if we have more advanced forms of fifth generational technology in particular, you'll be able to download movies faster. Wow. Really, you think yeah. that uh-huh. they're spending tens, hundreds of billions of dollars so you can download movies faster? That's the best they can come up with? I don't think so. Well, and this is the thing I find most people, most normal, have a hard time understanding psychopaths and sociopath behavior. Because if you're not one, somehow or other, in your mind, you can't imagine somebody that has no remorse or consciousness, all the, or conscious as far as feeling bad about something. All they want is control. Well, we have a hard time understanding that. That somebody could actually do exactly what you're describing, not to benefit humanity, but to enslave them. And that's, I think, where some people just, they, they don't get it. They don't, because we... We have a hard time thinking, how could that be? And by the way, throughout history, a lot of psychopaths and sociopaths have gotten away with a lot of stuff because nobody could believe that they could do that. As in, starting with a guy, you know, the people that they find out that he had uh, 20 bodies buried in his backyard and everybody thought, oh, you seem such a nice guy. You know, I can't believe it. Yeah, All the way up, we, we, we really have a hard time uh, seeing how people could just do that with and not lose a moment's sleep. It's like, yeah, that's what we got to do it, and that's how we're going to do it. And this is this is the the plan. This is how we're going to get what we want. And they they have no no worries about the misery it might cause for certain people. That's that's a really great point, and that's exactly um, summed up probably better than I could. That is exactly what the problem is for a lot of us that are curious about things beyond what we've been taught by standard education. We can't imagine why would somebody want to do that. Even when I show, maybe it's a patent, maybe it's a scientific report, publication, something considered respectable and credible, Mm -hmm. and people just look at me and say, and they're they're genuine. It's not like it's not like they're denying it. They're just saying, well, well, why would anybody want to do that? So, well, why why wouldn't they want to do it? Why would they want to do it? You 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 don't have the motivations that they do, so you can't at the very minimal, even politically, you can't put yourself in that that person's position. Then when you're talking about people that are emotionally void, empathetically void, and they want power and they want to see people yes. suffer. All they can do is mimic that emotion and they pretend to be your friends and they tell you, we're going to give you a tracking device to keep you safe and healthy. We're going to give you faster download speed. And it's like, oh, that's fantastic. I want that. And then allow the vampire into your sacred space and they suck you dry. Yes. And let me tell you something. Good luck. Once it's in, you know, I'm backpedaling on that. Okay. That would be very, very difficult. Uh, something that, that once it's uh, inserted into your 
whether it's your body or your DNA or your tissues or God, you know, who knows where cellular makeup, God, it could go a million ways as far as, um, that, that, that you can't say, you know, you know, like when they say you like, you make the deal with the devil, good luck. You once, once you signed on the dotted line, you can't yeah. escape from it. I once think you it's something along beast. those lines. Yeah. Once you marry the beast, there's no divorce. No, no, no. And once you, once you lose those perceived and natural, and some might say God given, which means natural, I think. Yes freedoms and, and, and liberties, they're not as easy to get back as they are to throw away. And it's no different than money. It might take you 40 hours a week to make a few hundred dollars, but you can throw it away on one night going out to eat movies and partying. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, but, uh, again, I'm, you know, a lot of people, I, I guess now it's like, I mean, because now we, we live in where, where approval and disapproval can be instantaneous you know you're under the microscope god knows i mean we were talking about uh anxiety and you know sometimes we have high suicide rates even amongst teenagers because of that constant exposure to being seen to people knowing everything can you imagine if that was the what everybody had to live with under that an expectation supervision that monitoring because that's what it is they're monitoring you Yep, and expectations of what you need to be doing or what you yeah. are not allowed to be doing. Yeah, that's another good point taken to the extreme. Yeah. Where not only, I mean, you, you, it's not like people say it's like 1984, but ultimately it's not like 1984 because you can't just hide behind the telescreen to write in your journal. Yes. It's, it's in your body, it's in your skin, mm-hmm. it's in your brain. Yes. And it's not psychological, it's physical, it's chemical, it's mechanical, and there is no way out of that system. No, no, there is no escape. It's like everywhere you go, you know, there you are. Well, it's there they are. <laughs> but it's not a, yeah, who was it the other day? You know that movie Demolition Man, the one that was, what, what did it come out in the 90s with uh, with Sylvester Stallone, you know? Yeah. Where it, I, it when you came out, it was like, man, that's a great movie. And now I look at it and I go, God, <laughs> I wonder who thought of that idea, man. They were, they kind of were onto something there. Yeah, you can, I guess you could predict future events yeah. based on the progression of technology and the progression of things from, from past events. That's why history is, you know, used as an oracle to determine the future. And that's why a lot of science fiction writers can be pretty damn accurate of what's going to happen because you just play it out to its logical conclusion. I count one, two, three, four, five. Well, six, seven, eight, nine, ten are probably going to come next. So it's not really a prediction. It's just a pattern. Yeah, but you know what, Ryan? Historically, people were brought about whether controlled through belief. But once they have something inside of you, who cares what you believe? I don't. I don't need your belief anymore. That's it. I don't need your agreement. You know, because before people were led along by beliefs, either fear of the supernatural or powers of the whoever, you know. So people were either afraid or awed or it was like whatever came with it. Once it's inside of your body, who cares? You don't believe it? I don't care. I I still have control over you. I got what I wanted. So, yeah, I think that, that that's kind of where that, you know, we're at the lip of that precipice kind of moment eventually and 
I don't know. I don't know how, how what's going to happen, but there's a lot of stuff. Uh, talk about interesting times. Um, definitely were there. But um, it, 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 it's, it's, I don't know. And, and I hate to say it, but sometimes, and I think especially with recent events, stuff that usually would take years to happen, people are realizing can play out in just a few weeks. Right, because that because of the first of all the incrementalism of past things allows for the precedence to be set for this to happen overnight, mm-hmm. and just like with the uploading of consciousness into a machine, I'm not going to do that. Well, you already did do it if you have social yes. media. You already did do it if you have a cell yes. phone. The proverbial mark of the beast, as Christians might call it, mm-hmm. you're thinking, well, that's what are they going to like? They're going to come up, you know on CNN or Fox and the president's going to be giving a speech. He's like, all right, today, uh, all Americans and, you know, all UK citizens, uh, you're, you're supposed to get the mark of the beast and we're going to go ahead and give that out. It doesn't obviously, but I think people think that's how it's going to happen. Right. It happens. It happens like this in New York state, even though it's not directly mandated, but the executive order in New York state uh, in April, 2020 is that you have to wear a mask in public. Right. Unless you're able to social distance. But what, I, um, what I've experienced at some grocery stores is they've adopted the executive order, even though it's not totally mandatory or enforced, as a policy. Meaning that you literally cannot go into the store and purchase food. You cannot buy, right. in a sense, buy or sell unless you do what they tell you. If you don't have a mask, if you don't have the mark of the mask, right. you can't go buy food. That's how the incremental process to that total dystopian future occurs. It occurs with put on a mask or you can't come in here. And if they can make that a policy and people accept it, it's not the stores that are that are the problem. It's not even necessarily the the, the, the state government. That's the problem. It's it's a top heavy, top down system of oppression that will incrementally bring about fundamental changes through the proverbial boiling of the frog in the water. And then by the time you get to the point where you're cooked, it was a painless death. You didn't even know it. And a lot of people are just happy because, you know, faster download speeds. But you know what? They also play on the fear that most humans have of being ostracized. Because like you said, it's an interpretation of uh, guidelines versus law, whatever, or maybe not the store. But how many, let, let, let's say that same scenario you depicted there, that you're going to go to just pick up some milk, you know, and fruit, whatever. How many of you think of those customers there are going to be ready to jump on you if you say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to walk in there without a mask? Oh, yeah, exactly. It's Other like, people will enforce it. Yeah. And most humans don't like to be ostracized, especially by other, you know, what I mean, like other humans, like... Last thing you want, especially something as simple and basic as, let's say, I'm going to go to the supermarket, that you've got these people that are going to be ready, like, from giving you the stink eye all the way to even accosting you if they have to because they think they have to because you're endangering them and everybody else, you know, that kind of deal. But, but the, the, there's, a, there's a beautiful element to that, and I think it's a perfect way to wind down this evening, yes. and that's if you recognize that you as an individual have the ability obviously to not acquiesce to that and not be afraid then what happens is you go into that store you don't wear a mask 
And let's say that they don't, they don't, you know, kick you out, which a lot of places around here, they're not doing it. They're just hoping people acquiesce. Right. But you go into that store and someone sees you not wearing a mask. And let's just, in, in, in an example, right. someone, you know, does come up to you and say, hey, you should put a mask on. You're endangering everybody else. And then you explain to them, no, I'm not going to do that. And maybe it's hostile. Maybe it's not hostile. The point is when other people see one person standing yes. up and saying, I'm not going to do that. It gives them courage to know that it's okay for them to do it because most people, I think, are actually not psychotic and they oh, do course. want to do what's best for themselves and others. But when they see there's another perspective and they see that other people are willing to charge into battle first and have courage, it gives them yes. courage and hope and then it empowers them and then they do it and it inspires others and it grows exponentially. Yes, and I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And let's see, this hasn't finished playing out and let's see where it goes. But anyway, Ryan, I wanted to thank you so much for spending this time with me tonight. It has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, we spoke about so many interesting things. And like I said, this is still, especially recent events, this is still playing out. Let's see where this goes, what it ends up being, where it's gonna take us. Um, interesting. I, I, I personally, I think some of it sometimes you kind of worry a little bit about it, but I still think that there's going to be a silver lining to all of the things that are going on. I appreciate you having me on, and we can totally do this another time and look at some other topics. And even regardless of the COVID nineteen and yes. what's playing out, the uh, the overall discussion tonight I think is relevant for any yes. given situation. Yes, absolutely. Again, take care and good luck on all your projects. I don't know. Do you have, I'm going to have a link to your website on the credits of the show, but for my podcast listeners, do you want to give out your website address? Yeah, of, of course. Uh, first, if anyone would like to email me, my email is on the site and same thing with my Facebook page. It's the only social media I operate. The email is rdgable at yahoo.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. Social media is facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, which is the name of my radio broadcast, about 10 years plus now on air. And the website is the name of the show, so it's www.thesecretteachings.info. So rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, and then www.thesecretteachings.info, and that's where you'll be able to find my entire show archive there's a lot of shows that are free but the rest of the archive is subscription based and then of course you can find my three books um a huge book on occultism on the web on the website uh pdf or soft cover and uh, i wrote a book on food as well food philosophy and then the the main book that we discussed tonight was technological elixir that's on the website as well um, I do everything myself, so anything, any questions, comments, everything is done through me directly, so you'll be able to talk to me if you email me. Perfect. Okay. Again, thank you so much, and good luck to you. Thank you, Merlene. Bye-bye. Wow. See the smoke coming out of my ears. Such an interesting person. Wow. Interesting times, interesting person to talk to about it. Um, is it is? I mean, everybody's like paranormal. Yeah, all these things that <laughs> I want to say, and I think that that's what's happening to a lot of us. It's like, man, I want to go back to like 
um, you know, I, 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 my, my, my rhythm, my, you know, I had, whatever what's going on in your life, you know, your favorite show that was going to go to work. I met somebody new. I, uh, you know, my kids are doing this. I'm planning a vacation. I, uh, all these things that we kind of like go through, you know, are multitasking sometimes too much. I think people like kind of like looking back at this, like I want that back, <laughs> you know, because I think this took a turn so drastically, so rapidly. And again, um, you may think of it, well, I'm getting, for those of you who have uh, been furloughed or whatever the case, or you're told to stay home, even working from home, you might think, oh, but you know, it's not the same as when you're allowed to go out and do the things that you want to do. And there's not these this big question mark hanging over our heads like, well, what's gonna happen with this thing? Is, is, is this gonna die down? Is it gonna come back? Is it gonna be worse? Well, I mean, you know, people, um, I think people want to have that normalcy because we are all absolutely, uh, we are all creatures of habit. Even the people that like the non-habit stuff that are like, no, I don't want anything planned. Even then, they all need this basis of... And by this, you know, even that that existence, you know, things happen that are unexpected. Uh, sometimes bad, sometimes horrible. But they happen on an individual basis. And you do what you need to do with whatever happens. But when you see this, that it's not just you, it's like a better word, humanity or your everything that's affected. It's it gives everybody like the surreal moment that um, I think a lot of people are people that normally don't pay attention to what's going on and at and this level are actually waking up and going, Wow, wait, you know that there's a lot of things that are being defined even on an individual basis. And and as a matter of fact, I mentioned in my last show, I, I see where there's going to be people who are going to need a little bit of counseling or therapy after this. And by this, I don't mean an extended, uh, you know, therapy session. Maybe what they call brief therapy sessions, maybe six visits, something like that. But they need to speak to somebody about like, hey, you know what? I just went through this experience where my life within days or a couple of weeks everything upended starting with jobs my kids maybe not being able to go to school or even child care maybe i i could go to work but i didn't have anybody to take a look after my kids or you know the parents having to juggle who's going to stay home i can't you know you know not everybody has children that you can leave at home by themselves babies or just young children Okay, and that's another thing, you know, being cooped up in the house. I mean, how much TV can you watch? I, let me tell you something. I remember when my kids were small and I, yeah, there were times where, you know, you know, I had, they had certain movies I would let them watch and, you know, kids, when they're, especially they're young, they'll see stuff over and over and over and over and over again. But there was times that it would be great because I would take them to the park or I would do this because it would tire them out. I'd be like, man, we're going to go to the park and you're going to run around and we're going to do this because by the time they got home, as a matter of fact, they'd be falling asleep in the drive back. What are you going to do? A lot of people don't even have that luxury depending on where you live. So I think 
after everything is said and done, I think people need to feel like it. I, 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 I never thought this was going to happen. Can it happen again? Can everything change so drastically to everybody like this again? And, and I think for a lot of people, that uncertainty is very frightening. Even if things kind of drift back to what it was before, kind of, people are still going to have that, that feeling of, man, can this happen again? Like, out of the blue? That, um, you know, that feeling that people describe where the ground shifts under your feet. For a lot of people, their, their, their reality, that's, that's what's happened to them. And they desperately want to scramble back to the more or less what they had, but it can never be because they will always have that that question, am I going to find myself going through this again? And it can happen really quick. I know. Now I know it can happen. And that sometimes is a really, really, really difficult thing for people to wrap their head around and then do what we normally do, which is make plans. You know, go on a vacation, buy a house, move, meet somebody. I mean, all the stuff that people think of as is rewarding, whatever it is that you find rewarding. You know, we're all different. All of a sudden, it's like, it loses some of its significance because you think, yeah, this is great, but how much of this is like, not really, this could be snatched away very quickly by one of these scenarios that happened that there was no escaping it. You had to, for whether you feared for your safety, your health, the health of your family, the health of strangers, you know, everybody's like, huh? I, I, I'm telling you, there's, and, and by the way, I think this, this cuts across the board regardless of what your age is, whether you're a child, as the, hopefully that parents would know how to, what to tell their children and that's appropriate to their age. The dogs are having a moment there. To whether you're older, whether you're middle age, um, you know, what's gonna happen with the economy, uh, what if you lost your job? Um, now, am I going to be able to get another job? You know, and a lot of things that also come with, let, let's go with the job scenario. Okay. A lot of people sometimes stress out. Let's say you've had this job for a long time and you were comfortable and you knew what you were doing and you knew your bosses and you basically, you're, you've got your thing, your thing going. You had your coworkers. That's another thing. I remember when I was going to work a lot of the people that work with me were like my second family. You know, everybody, you had your friends. You know, you shared life events with them. Um, they were there. I mean, you know, you had your family, of course. But and sometimes things overlapped where, you know, you would share things outside of your work. But even, even if, let's say, uh, that relationship is only at your job. But still, there's, there's, there's this uh, relationship. It's not only the loss of the job. It's the loss of the relationship, of that comfortableness, of knowing that you're saying, okay, uh, now I'm going to get another job if I find another job. And then it's like, okay, now i got to start from scratch. Mm, new place, new people, learning something. Whereas before, maybe you could have done your job with your hand tied behind your back. All these things, believe it or not, and the reason why I bring this up is that your subconscious extrapolates this, Okay. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. When I was doing the, the hypnosis for clients, 
there's people that would sometimes would stay, let's say in a job, I'm going to use a job scenario, that they really weren't happy anymore. But they were more afraid of being in something new, feeling uncomfortable, not knowing, you know, maybe not feeling as competent as what they were doing. Even even at times they were overqualified. They could have done better, but they, they clung on to this because this is what they knew. Now, can you imagine being forced into that? Because there's some people that say, hey, you know what, that's it. I'm going to quit my job or I'm going to go apply someplace else. I'm going to get a better job. And yeah, maybe at the beginning I'll have to figure it out. And I'll have new, but I don't care because I know I can make more money. Whatever, whatever motivates you. Or maybe I need to, I want to move to this part of the country and that's where that job is, whatever. But now can you imagine being forced into that? Because you got you to gotta pay your bills. And the job you used to have doesn't exist anymore. So now you got to find another job, another company or another place, another restaurant, whatever, you know, new people, new ways of doing things. I mean, that causes a lot of anxiety besides the obvious one that you don't have a job. Some people say, well, you're lucky you got another job. But underneath it, eventually, by the way, we overcome it. We overcome it. Like, And I've said this before. Yeah, there's going to be a feeling of uncomfortableness because new place, new people, new boss, new ways of doing things. <clears throat> Am I going to do it right? Am I going to fit in? But yeah, there's that's what I'm saying. I think that there's a lot of people out there that are going to need a little... I don't know. Can you see them back there? Yeah, they're having a moment. Um, that they're going to need... And, and everybody will say, you know, sometimes... Um, people will say, well, if you have a family member or a spouse that you can talk to. And sometimes you'd be surprised. People sometimes do want to talk to a stranger as in a counselor or a therapist or somebody. Just because that person doesn't have preconceived ideas. Or they're almost afraid to saying, look, I'm really, really scared about this. Or, hey, I've got these thoughts. So they want to be reassured by somebody that's not going to be like pat your hand, like a family member. Oh, honey, it's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. They don't want that. <laughs> you know, it's great, but they want somebody that is not going to patronize you or tell you what you want to hear. You want somebody maybe will listen to some of your doubts or thoughts or, or, or misgivings that you have and will kind of help you find the answer. Because again, I'm going to repeat it. That's what therapy does. They don't tell you what to do. They help you find the answer. You have the answer. But that's a whole different show. Again, guys, thank you so much for being part of my audience. Again, I've got books out there. And, you know, for those of you who've seen the, the slides, if you're watching it. But if not, you can go to my author page at uh, Marlene Pardo Pellister on Amazon. All three books, uh, which is, uh, those are my fiction books. The last three have come out, which are supernatural, horror, fantasy, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know sometimes what genre to put them in. Yeah, they're way out there. So if you're into that, definitely look them up. Or you can go to MarlenePardo.com. I've also got a page on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Whatever the case might be. Again, guys, I've got a lot of interesting guests coming up. And uh, once more, be well. And thank you for being part of my audience. Take care. If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the high roller blackjack scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. We did it again. 
Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.